The top 10 rainbows and unicorns of all time on this week's Always Listening. Welcome to Always Listening. We're your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Jay. And man, I I wrote that title thinking that it was going to be all rainbows today, Joel. And then I read Hot Pod. And boy, am I fired up. Who peed in your Cheerios today, Jay? (sighs) Julie Julie Snyder of Serial Productions, (laughs) CEO. Listen, the whole podcast academy thing got everybody fired up and i really hope that if anybody that's part of the podcast academy who listened to the show last week if you listened to the show you really took it with the idea that we're simply trying to point out that for years and and for and it's a short amount of years that you guys have been involved in this industry remind you for these years that you have been involved, you refuse to acknowledge those that have come before. And it drives us little people, quote unquote, little people nuts. And I get it. Serial was a hallmark moment for this industry. It's definitely a point in time that you can look at on the podcasting timeline and go, boom, big deal. And Serial, yes, boom, is a big deal. Still gets hundreds of thousands of downloads to this day. Not just back in the day, to this day. (laughs) It's resulted in not only dozens and dozens of podcasts made about it or around it or adjacent to it, but TV shows and 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 documentary projects and also you know there was an HBO are being influenced by it. That is a follow up to Serial. Yeah, exactly. So it's a huge cultural touchstone. Absolutely, thousand million percent. However. Julie Snyder, was quoted in a deadline piece. And this deadline piece is in regards to the rumored sale of Serial to look Serial looking for a buyer. The rumor buyer is the New York Times. Um, and it's right now it's a bunch of rumors. But Julie Snyder is quoted as saying, quote, five years ago with the release of Serial, we invented a new kind of audio storytelling, end quote. I really hope that there's more context to the quote. However, Nick Kwa, who I praised last week, and this week the praise gets taken back, Nick. Nick Kwa adds, given everything that's happened to podcasting over the last five years, including, I should add, multiple cycles of folks trying to do the whole did serial actually kick off the podcast boom thing, it happens, I, for one, am glad to see this type of muscle flexing. No! Flex your muscle all you want about being a cultural icon, but don't claim you invented podcasting five years ago! So here's here's what is an accurate metaphor. I would have totally bought this. If she wanted to call, or if anybody wants to refer to Serial as the Citizen Kane of podcasting or 
the Jaws of podcasting or the Star Wars of podcasting, right? You look at those three films. Citizen Kane is one that we still hail as one of the greatest films of all time. We also know that the production of it was revolutionary in many ways. New techniques of filming and cinematography. The the director was a visionary in his own right, et cetera, et cetera. The subject matter was controversial and, and interesting. Uh, same thing with Jaws. Like Jaws was this blockbuster book created the summer movie blockbuster like that was the first time that we understood oh there's a different kind of just like we have the summer read you know the novel you take to the beach now there's a a, a adventurous exciting movie for everybody that we can expect to come in the summer star wars was the like <laughs> you know if jaws is the john the baptist star wars is the messiah that comes after that uh because star wars provided this again cultural touchstone that changed everything about movies there's no movie that comes after star wars that that is about space at all that doesn't have to respond to star wars you know likewise if you're a true crime true crime podcast or even if you're a nonfiction podcast, if you're if you're a um, a storytelling podcast of any kind that comes after serial, you have to respond to serial in some way. Your production and and storytelling will be uh, affected by it. That would have been the hyperbole that that's true, right? That would have been the thing that we could all accept and give a thumbs up to. But to say that you invented a new form of storytelling, like, I mean, Jay, we talked about it last week. 30 years ago, well, not quite that long, 20-ish years ago, you, you went to school to learn this form of storytelling. I mean, like, it, 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 what, That man? existed in the 50s, in the 40s, when radio was first invented. The War of the Worlds. I mean, the War of the Worlds is this enveloping, uh, all-encompassing, uh, uh, draw-you-in narrative storytelling. The, that people uh, believe. The idea of people cereal. thought that War of the Worlds was real. Yeah, well, even the idea of serial, the name of the podcast, right? The 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 concept of serial storytelling goes back to Dickens. I mean, this is the way mm. that the the uh, uh, the the the, well done, uh, the Christmas Carol was pull. released. This is the way that many of his works were released in serial format, chapter by chapter. Stephen King did it when I was a kid with the Green Mile. Right, he yep. came out with the Green Mile in little chapter books that you could buy and 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 strung his audience out like and, that. But, and, so again, and you know what Stephen King didn't go. I invented serial storytelling. <laughs> no, no, the prologue is literally like, I loved the idea that Dickens released his work in this format, and it's something that lots of artists did back in the day, and let's do it again. George Lucas doesn't say, I invented science fiction uh, storytelling on movie screens. No. He goes and shows you, I stole this scene out of these old World War II movies. I stole this scene from Rashomon. I stole this scene from The Hidden Fortress. You know, I stole this idea from Joseph Campbell. Cereal itself is born from this American life. Yeah, it's like literally. Hello? It wasn't this American life story <laughs> that they just went, oh, this is too big. This is too big of this American life story. When I first started podcasting at ESPN and I looked at the landscape of podcasting and I looked at were there any other sports podcasts? And quite honestly, to this day, I don't think there were. However, I don't sit there and say I was the one who invented sports podcasting because honestly, I don't think I was. I think there probably were other sports podcasts that were out there before I started doing them at ESPN. However, I will also tell you that I quote Roman Mars. And I found this quote. I, I remember I told you this. I was cleaning out some stuff in my desk, and I had written down a wonderful quote from Roman Mars, who had done 
a keynote at Podcast Movement, and he said, creativity is 90% theft and 10% innovation. That's what you did, Serial. You had creativity. You had 90% of theft in the way stories were told before you, and you added just a little bit of ingenuity to the way that you told the story. And listen, it hit on a lot of touch points. It obviously touched a lot of people. Uh, people that listen to podcasts will reference back to Serial. But you did not invent a new kind of audio storytelling. And that is the hubris that gets in the way of them and us. And it's unfortunate that yes. we now have to sort of talk about them and us. And I saw Tom Webster talk about this as well recently of how it does appear that this rift is just going to be there and it's not going to be able to be fixed because there's them and there's us. And quite honestly, folks, we got to stop it with the them and us. And yeah, my diatribe right now, my rage is not helping fix that rift. It's probably widening in it some more. But we have to figure out a way to get them to understand us in a better manner than what is being than what we are portraying. And vice, yes, and vice versa. Quite honestly, quite honestly, them have to have, find a better way for us to understand them better than the way that they're portraying as well. It's a two-way street. It's not just one. Well, but you know what? You know what, though, is funny. I went to a – I had a leadership conference uh, that I had to go to on uh, Saturday, last Saturday. And uh, one of the things that, that we talked about there, you know, you can't change anyone else. You can only change yourself. And so – in when you're in conflict situations, when you're when you're in a a an issue with a coworker or a family member or a you know somebody in your church or whatever it might be, and and you're trying to make that situation better, you can't force them externally to change their attitude or behavior. What you can do is you can change the way you react to it and respond to it, and then hopefully by by living that out, you can affect their attitude as well. I, I that's a that's a hard ask. Especially in this world where seemingly, I mean, honestly, Jay, who from these big companies is listening to Always Listening? No one, for instance. Yeah, I don't think so either. So, so uh, it, you know, we're not talking to the right people. Uh, how many of those folks are reading pod news on a regular basis? I think more probably, maybe than listen to Always Listening, I, but mm, not that many, I think. Mm. How many of them are reading Hot Pod? Lots of them, and Hot Pod okay. is patting them on the back this morning. I'll give so you, like, I'll give you that. I will give you that. There's a higher percentage reading Hot Pod than it's probably reading Pod News. But I do think Pod News is making uh, more inroads than than we probably lead credit t towards. Well, and and I hope that overall. I mean, obviously they're doing two different things too. Hot Pod is much more a an editorial. It's much more a personal and admittedly take so on the industry. I will give yes. Nick. Yeah, yeah, I will yeah. give Nick they're, that. They're not aiming right. to do the same thing. Yeah, Pod News is aiming to be a very journalistic, integrity filled, uh, you know, reporting outfit. Anyway, it, it's interesting. But you're right. I don't think I don't think that the divide is going to be lessened anytime soon. And uh, when you keep making inflammatory statements like that. <laughs> 
no. Just quit poking us. Just quit poking us about it. All right. Just we were all over it. We all got. We all settled down. Joel, you guys said that you were going to let us in eventually. The Hall of Fame will continue, and we all calmed down. And then you go when we invented podcasting five years ago. Joel, we invented a great way of of making outlines for our show notes. I mean, it's it, when it we is, revolutionized show notes. It was. Jay, I mean, this is. When Fantastic. I when I invented chapter markers oh, for podcasting, that's oh, <laughs> it was it was a whole new day. All right, let's get over here to something else so we can be mad about Edison Research uh, from podnews.net. The link is in the show notes. Edison Research did a um, an extensive uh, <laughs> survey and has brought us the podcast industry's first all inclusive top ten podcast ranker. So uh, let's break this down. Uh, grammatically because grammatically they are correct this is in fact the podcast industry's first all-inclusive wait yes yes all-inclusive top 10 podcast ranker the reason why it is all-inclusive is because they are taking a sample of podcast listeners specifically i can give you the exact number I know I've it's 4,000 plus, but the exact number is 4,053. Uh, and they are weekly podcast consumers ages 18 and older. Uh, interviews were conducted in English and Spanish. Sampling was conducted continuously over the last two quarters of 2019, with quarter three interviews conducted July 7th through September 30th, and quarter four interviews conducted October 1st through December 21st. All respondents were instructed to enter the names of all podcasts they listened to the week before the interview into an online diary. Oh, Jesus. And were provided instructions to obtain that information from their podcast client player of choice. All responses were unaided and hand-coded by Edison to determine actual show name, producer, genre, other information. Data is weighted to nationally represent numbers. Data is weighted to nationally represent numbers. Data is weighted to nationally representative numbers for weekly podcast consumers from the Infinite Dial 2019 from Edison Research and Triton Digital. <sighs> this has always been my problem. So they did Joel. a radio survey. Yeah. They did a radio survey. This is the exact way that your radio rankings are done uh, when when the book comes out every quarter and every radio person you know is so excited to see how they've done are they up in the book are they down in the book this is what they're talking about they they take literally oh god i mean i'm like 20 years ago i was in college and i was a nielsen family for a month or two i did like the pre-test before you really become a nielsen family or whatever and i didn't get the full deal but i, I gave them reporting for like three months I think. so did you get 100 bucks or did you get 10 bucks yeah, no, I think I got I got like a ten dollar bill with the first packet, okay. and when you finished it, they sent you a hundred. I think, yeah, uh, yeah, I got paid, and and supposedly that was not okay because I had done some radio work at that point. No, oh. anyway, I supposedly shouldn't have taken you poisoned it all, but the books. It was for TV, not radio. It was for TV, not radio. So I thought, you know, what what harm is there? I was very excited to report my TV watching. But but Jay, even even first of all, I'm not your average consumer. I never have been because I'm involved as a creative as well. That inherently sort of like skews me and and my opinion on things. But even then, as someone who was rabidly excited about the opportunity to take part in a survey like this and who was a very active television viewer at the time, 
how much of my how much of my uh, diary do you think I did moment to moment as I'm actually watching oh, the show? Zero. Like maybe one percent of the three months that I was working on it would I think as I sat down to watch television? Oh, grab go grab the book and 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 write your stuff in. No, man, it would be like I'd get to the end of the week and I'd go, oh. Oh, crap, I didn't do anything in there. What did I... Mm, well, let me see. What comes on on Tuesday? Mm-hmm. It was literally just reporting the shows. I would literally go look at it like a TV guide. You know, like, it's not... There was almost no correlation with my actual viewing moment to moment. Now... There are better ways to do this, even if you want to take a survey like this. There are trackers and radio now. They have the little things that you clip on, and it's supposed to listen to everything that you listen oh, to. Oh, there's problems with that, though, And too. identify it that way. There's, prob- there's problems with the portable people meter, too. You can oh, ask well, sure. a ton yeah, of radio people about the problems with portable well, you can people all, meters. You, you can take that portable people meter off and set it down in front of something and walk away right. from it, right? Just as an example. But but all of those things would be slightly better. What What blows my mind, though, is... Jay, we're not radio. We're not broadcasting out. We're not uh, being received randomly by different uh, radios and 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 units around the world. And and multiple people aren't randomly sitting around those units at different times in vehicles and and in offices, et cetera, et cetera. We have a way to count the popularity. And the access that mm-hmm. the general public has to podcasts. Why do they do this? Because we can't agree on how to count that. <laughs> that's that. No, that's. But that's literally the reason. It's because they have one version of counting, and we have another version of counting. And quite honestly, amongst the they and amongst the we, there's different versions of counting. There's about. I don't know, probably 25 or so different versions of how to properly count the pizza slices. And that's why, and that's why this happens. So Edison says, all right, fine. You guys can't figure this out. We'll figure it out for you. And and that's what they're doing. And quite honestly, they've been involved in the podcast industry for a number of years. This is exactly the, by the way, as much as I'm about to throw shade at this methodology, this is exactly the same way that they provide us with the infinite dial numbers. It is simply just a sample of people that gets extrapolated to represent the entirety of the possible podcast listening universe. So everything I have to say, we have to understand that they have their scientifically proven algorithms that have been researched and have been tested over years and most of this methodology has been done in other media, not in podcasting. But again, it leads to the fact that we have a concrete evidence that this podcast, this file was delivered to this person. Period. End of story. Like, honestly, yes, it's important to know if they listened to that particular file, how far they listened into that particular file if they've listened to the entirety of that particular file but that is when i don't have a problem with taking a survey of people and understanding how much of this file that you've downloaded have you listened to now you can take that particular data and extrapolate it but from when it comes to a concrete number we have it and it's just not one apple doesn't share it that's part of the problem. And 
two, we don't all agree on how to properly count that particular number. And so we're left with this. And quite honestly, this is probably better than anything else that you're going to get out there. The only other thing I'm going to say about this is when we when we hit Apple, right? A lot of people go, well, the Apple rank means absolutely diddly squat because it's their algorithm, blah, 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 blah. 100% true. However, if you go to Apple and you look at top episodes, not top podcasts, top episodes, that is 100% Apple's listening behavior. The number of people who have listened to that particular episode ranked 1 through 200 that is the number that is probably the most important number that no one ever no one ever references that number Joel because of the other ranker and, that, and then there's the confusion well are you talking about the podcast or are you talking about the podcast episode and that's we've had this conversation about language in podcasting oh the it's a show it's an episode it's <laughs> boy it's really rainy today for a rainbow episode. <laughs> what, is, what is going on? It's really dark. So, so let's let's do a little bit of celebrating here. Who 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 is on top of this podcast industry according to this survey? We we've talked about the the potential issues with the methodology and and how we have how we wish they would be counting them more like we count the industry ourselves. But having said that. Who's on top? Who do they say is on top? The Joe Rogan experience is number one with a bullet. Uh, number two is This American Life. Number three is The Daily from the New York Times. Number four is My Favorite Murder. Uh, number five is Crime Junkie. Number six is Stuff You Should Know. Number seven is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Number eight is Serial that show that invented the new form of audio storytelling. Number nine is Pod Save America. And quite honestly, if we're going to talk about us and them, man, there isn't a bigger divide than politics, is there? Number 10 is Radiolab. So, so uh, I mean, uh, I I have 100% no doubt that this is representative of, of your typical podcast listener. I, I don't have a problem uh, looking at this list and going, yep, that's pretty representative because it's a uh, very NPR centric or NPR quote unquote like I'll say. Mm -hmm. uh, Joe Rogan is huge in the podcasting space. I wonder what Mark Marin thinks about <laughs> Joe. Rogan. Doesn't Mark Marin wasn't Mark Marin and Joe Rogan on a show together and Mark joked about how uh, <laughs> Joe should be sending him royalty checks. <laughs> I I will say this like. I well, and, and Mark's doing fine for himself too. By the oh, is it speaking of Mark Marin? Did you did you hear the episode with uh, Brad Pitt and uh, Leo DiCaprio? No, but apparently they're big Mark Marin fans. Brad Pitt is a huge fan, like stumbled all over himself. It was it was kind of weird to hear, man. Like it, I mean, you can't. I don't know about you. I can't imagine anything in the world that Brad Pitt would be like surprised or overwhelmed to be experiencing at this point mm. right he's literally the biggest star in hollywood or one of the biggest it's like <laughs> anyway the, the idea that he was like humbled to be on wtf was very impressive to me i was like yeah podcasting matters dude <laughs> <laughs> he is an actor though just, just remember that, that's tr that's true he that's a very good point he's an award-winning <laughs> actor even uh 
you're right. So look, we can have issues with the methodology. I don't have any issues with this list, honestly. And if you look at um, any list of top podcasts, any speculation uh, to the industry, these shows come up again and again and again as the biggest. When you just listen, when you just ask people who are avid podcast listeners, what shows do you listen to? Most of these shows come up on somebody's list. They're not necessarily anybody's favorite show, but they're all on everybody's lists, you know? There's a great line here in the latest uh, pod news um, that had reaction from the Edison Research Podcast Ranker. And uh, <laughs> uh, James, write, uh, James writes that uh, Rob Kaiju um, emailed or tweeted him and said, as interesting as it is, I can't think of a content medium where who is in the number 10, uh, who, are, who is in the top 10 matters less. And it's 100% true. What does it matter who the top 10 podcasts are? Just so you can brag, I'm number one. I'm number one. Because um, it doesn't. Ultimately, you, you can have any size audience. If it has value, it's going to make the money that that value is equivalent to. So, I, I mean, I don't think Radiolab is going, ah, oh, man, we, we have to charge so much less because we're number 10 for our podcast ads uh, versus Joe Rogan. No, no, that's not at all the case. And quite honestly, um, well, no, because Joe Rogan, I think, appeals more to the common man or the more everyday yeah, man. It, out of that list, it's like it's like Joe and then like maybe a couple of the crime shows and the rest are very much a, as you said, an NPR audience you know they're they're you you get you can get a glimpse of who the listener is for those shows very quickly and joe has an incredibly broad appeal as a matter of fact let's go ahead jay and move to because i think i think this article is specifically about joe rogan yes but in many ways the things that we're going to talk about here are about almost all of the shows in that top 10 and as we've said in the beginning, about many of those shows that come from these corporate environments and corporate um, uh, entities that continues to sort of have this us and them divide. Uh, the Canadian podcast listeners suggests that Joe Rogan experience is a unique unicorn. Uh, this is from rainnews.com a couple of weeks ago. Um, in the startup world, a unicorn is a singular company that reaches a billion-dollar capitalization. More informally, a unicorn denotes a company that is unequaled in marketplace reach and influence. So Google would be an example of that in search. They've got no competitors. Amazon and commerce, they've really got no competitors. Facebook for social media. Apple for consumer electronics. You know, Samsung would be their biggest competitor. And if you look at the profits, Apple destroys them in every uh, sector that they, they play in. Um, those are all acknowledged unicorns collectively, and uh, apparently they're referred to as GAFA, G-A-F-A, Google, Amazon, Facebook, and Apple. So the question that the Canadian podcast listeners set out to, to search for is, is there a podcasting unicorn? Is there one show that stands out from the rest in the same way that those companies do? And they came up with the Joe Rogan experience. Well, <clears throat> I say it's uniquely influential and successful, and it stands apart in, in several different ways from the 800,000 plus shows that are in distribution. And mind you, this is based on Canadian podcast listening. Uh, mm. And the study was once again done by the wonderful people over at Edison Research, uh, but notes that 52% of Canadian listeners say that they listen to podcasts on YouTube. This was 
when this report first came out, this was the whole explosion of should my podcast be on YouTube? And everyone start, everyone's starting to say, yes, our podcast should be on YouTube. And that's because of Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan is number one. People are listening. A majority of people, at least in Canada, are saying that they're listening to podcasts on YouTube as their primary source. Uh, and YouTube is not necessarily listed as a primary source. Now, the curious part about this is YouTube numbers are not included in any sort of podcast ranker, tracker, whatever. YouTube numbers are not part of this. So, again, if it's true that a majority of people are finding Joe Rogan on YouTube and that is their primary source of listening, one would assume they're not actually then going to Apple or Google or any of the other podcast listening spaces to listen to more Joe Rogan. Or at least not the same content. Maybe sometimes they watch on video and sometimes they listen to the show, but they're not double dipping, one would imagine. These right. shows are three hours long often, two and a half hours long almost all the time. So you can't imagine that, again, like who who would have the time to listen to one episode multiple times when he does multiple shows a week sometimes? Um, I, I think what's interesting here is when you look at that, Jay, he consistently, Joe Rogan consistently shows up either at the top or in the top two or three of any form of trying to see who's the most downloaded podcast, right? Just like we did the top 10 and he was number one there with the Edison research. Anytime that we see those numbers, Joe Rogan's in the top few, at least. My argument would be there are no other podcasts that have that large of an exclusive video audience. The one possible exception that, that would get a big spike, I think, is if you go down and look at, um, Pod Save America, which was was down at like eight or nine mm-hmm. in the top ten. So the Pod Save America guys do live streams on a regular basis that are effectively their podcasts, and you can watch those on Facebook and YouTube and different places. Um, and, and they have roundtable discussions sometimes in video form that are compelling to watch. I've watched some of those myself. Again, I don't think people are double dipping those, but the appeal of a show like that is clearly not as broad as Joe's show. Joe's is not political, although he does have political guests sometimes, but he has them from across the spectrum, right? As you said, it's the everyman that's listened to Joe Rogan. We've talked so many times about the highly polished crap. What if Joe Rogan experience is the highly polished crap that we've overlooked? Well, except it's not, because as you say, every man, it literally is every man. I'm now on the Canadian Podcast Listener blog. There's a link to it in the uh, link that we provided. Uh, And the number of men listening to the Joe Rogan experience is (laughs) atmospherically different than the number of women listening to the Joe Rogan experience. Uh, and that, and comparing it to the other top 10 podcasts, uh, there are, there's slightly more women listening than men to the other top 10 podcasts, according again to the Canadian podcast listener survey. Uh, Joe also apparently does extremely well with 25 to 54 year old men versus any other podcast. And as you mentioned, the other top 10 podcasts, very high with university graduates, uh, the Joe Rogan experience, not so high. And as a matter of fact, their highest listening demographic are people that only graduated high school, have no college uh, whatsoever. And again, these are 25 to 54. So this really is the blue collar male. This is the guy who didn't go to college, who's doing all the jobs that we don't want to do. And very specifically is someone that traditionally we have said is not a podcast listener. Also, right? when we describe the podcast listener, this is not it. 
Although you have argued in the past, I think, that there's more of these folks listening than we think because you, you've said that coming from the sports world. Right. You know, the sports <laughs> podcasting world is full of these listeners as well, I think. 100% true. Uh, the, other, the other aspect of that is, again, when we look at – everybody talks about things in percentages. They never actually talk about the cold, hard numbers because the percentage number looks so much better. But in this particular case, when we're talking about these top 10 podcasts, we're literally talking about the top 1% of all podcast listening. So the other 99% of podcast listening is being done to uh, <laughs> uh, 800 or I'm sorry, 700, uh, 990,000 <laughs> listeners, you know, whatever 10 minus 800,000. All right. That's what I'm trying to say. I was trying to be clever and I'm horrible at it because it had to do with numbers. But my whole, the, the point is, is, you know, when we take these surveys, it really does only focus on that top 1%. And that audience is so much different than I think the people that are listening to the 99%. And is there an effective way to get a sample of people that are of the, of the 99%? I don't think there is because there's just too many that that audience is so stratified um i don't think you can properly measure that i want to know who's the, who's the female joe rogan who what show could appeal to women well, across demographics uh collegiate experience or, or educational experience and and uh income levels like joe's show does uh and here's you know what you're talking to a convert i'm not a i'm not a joe rogan subscriber I have never been a fan of Joe Rogan's, uh, you know, public persona. I don't, I don't like the MMA or, or UFC. I don't like fighting. Period. Really, I was a boxing fan when I was a kid. But I'm, his cover I'm art is his cover art um, is like if you either get that or you don't, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's 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 pretty insane. Like, and honestly, like that's what that's what I'm saying. But like, so I I was against. Joe, I didn't I didn't want to listen to his show. I would watch clips occasionally when somebody said there was something really interesting that happened on YouTube, but I I never listened to a full episode until until I fell in love with this guy named Graham Hancock, who Joe has had on his show a bunch. Uh, he's a journalist originally, and he's an author, and he's written a bunch of stuff about ancient civilizations, and uh, he's been on Joe's show a, a ton of times. I went into a deep dive. I've listened to like six episodes and they're all like two hours long, you know, of Graham and, and Joe going at it. And I, I'm warming. I, hmm. I understand the appeal at this point. Joe Rogan is inherently inquisitive. He's generally positive. Um, and he is, um, always looking, you know, he's always grasping for the next, he's thing. not always he's listening. Very, He's just always looking. Well, he's always <laughs> listening, too. Most of the time he's listening anyway. But he <clears> – it's. I do think it is – it is very – it's very compelling, actually, once you get – once you get into it. Once you get over the knucklehead, beat your chest, you know, I'm a gorilla kind of attitude that he has sometimes. Once you get past that, there's something that is very interesting there. And so my question is, what what's the female equivalent of that? Is is there a female equivalent well, of that? Well, I mean, if you were to believe any of the research, you're looking at those true crime shows, My Favorite Murder and Crime Junkie. Um, I mean, otherwise, I mean, Spotify was hoping that Amy Schumer was going to be that. Um, I don't know if she 
has or not. I, I don't even know if she's still podcasting. It's a great question. I don't know that she is either, actually. I if she well, but see that's part of the problem behind going behind a paywall. You know, you inherently right. limit the, the 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 fact that Joe is literally everywhere. I say everywhere. Uh, uh, this article said that he's not in Spotify. Is that true? The Joe Rogan experience still not in Spotify? I believe so. Interesting, interesting, interesting. I wonder. That's got to be about um, pass through ads of some sort, right? Like some his media host doesn't have a pass through deal, maybe or something. Maybe. But that's weird. I'm pretty sure Joe Rogan is on Libsyn. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, no, you're right. He does host with Libsyn. I'm 99% sure you're right. Uh, hmm. I I would I would like to get more info on that. Why? What is their What is their argument behind not being on Spotify? That's interesting. I mean, I know you have you have uh, grievances too, but um, your show is there. Well, right? my grievances were about pass through ads. It wouldn't allow for dynamic ad insertion. As soon as they allowed that, I, my grievances were solved, and my podcast ended up on Spotify. Uh, mm. Now, again, uh, we still are hearing things, you know, straight from them that suggest that <laughs> all's not going to be unicorns and rainbows on Spotify for most podcasters for too much longer. But, um, you know, and that all comes down to, you know, Spotify's looking to make money. They are not in podcasting out of the kindness of their heart like Apple appears to be. They are in podcasting to make money from podcasting. And they're going, to, and it's more than just, you know, oh, we don't want all these people listening to music on our app so we don't have to pay licensing fees. That's part of it. But the other part of it is they need to make money. They are a public trading company. Just read a fascinating uh, article on Spotify's uh, 2019 and how uh, their stock price was way up and then it dropped way down and it came way back up and who actually owns the spot who actually owns Spotify and one of the interesting aspects of it is Tencent Holdings is a big percentage owner of Spotify in terms of stock however when you dig deeper who owns Tencent Holdings Dan Eck. <laughs> so, uh, so while Dan Eck is a large owner of Spotify stock uh, of his own right, his other company is a big holder of Spotify stock. When I say he's got it with like both that, hands, huh? I mean, smarter people than I will sort of figure it all out. But I mean, to me, something seems a little strange there. Let's go and look at our next article, Jay, because uh, Radio Inc. also wanted to get into the ranking game. They've got a list of the top 25 podcasts as brought to us by Media Monitors. Uh, this is based on listener recall. Again, yeah. after the fact, there's no actual tracking here. This is survey-based. Um, but the the list is interesting in that we get a lot of crossover with that other top 10 list. And the real question for me is, do we see ourselves in this list at all? Not just always listening, but that, again, that indie podcaster. Where is the indie podcaster represented in this list? Uh, the Joe Rogan Experience at number one. Fill in the blanks. Doc, by the way, I didn't know that was Dr. Phil's podcast name. That's hilarious. Uh, that's at number two. Well done. Crime Junkie at number three. My Favorite Murder at number four. So far, other than Dr. Phil, Dr. Phil's a new entrant here, but we're right with the, the top three or four for the original top ten. The Dave Ramsey Show there at number five. Lunchtime with Rogan and Rodney. That's from iHeartMedia, in case you don't know those names. 
names. That's not an indie podcaster. The Daily is next. ESPN Podcasts, multiple pods uh, from ESPN. Serial at number nine. The Joe Budden Podcast with Rory and Maul. Now, the Joe Budden Podcast yeah. was once upon a time an indie podcast, but who is their publisher now, Jay? <laughs> well, Spotify bought, uh, bought that company. That's right. Yeah. Bought bought that company, and and uh, Joe's not an independent anymore. TED Talks Daily comes in at eleven. This American Life at twelve. The Ben Shapiro Show at number thirteen, and he's published by the Daily Wire. Uh, Stuff you should know at number fourteen. These are their stories. The Law and Order podcast at number fifteen. That's from the Partners in Crime Media. Uh, that's the publisher there. Now I don't know that name, and I don't know that podcast name. We I we could probably. I guess you could make an argument that that's a little bitty company. No, maybe, I don't think uh, it is. If not an independent. No. It's not a little bitty company. I don't Partners think it in crime is. pretty large. For some reason, I think that's in, uh, I believe they have a partnership probably with iHeartMedia. Um, mm, well, if they're on this list, that's entirely possible. But uh, I'll look that up while you continue. Yeah, you look that up. I'll run down the rest of the list. ABC News update at 16. Armchair expert with Dak Shepard. Now, there again, I guess if you want to say it, because Joe is the publisher, Joe Rogan is the publisher for his show too. We've argued about whether he counts as an independent in the past. Dak Shepard is the publisher for the armchair expert with Dak Shepard. I don't know that he's got a big corporate agreement, but Dak Shepard is also a very well-known celebrity who's got you know, multiple uh, big-name TV shows uh, in primetime, et cetera, et cetera. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend at number 18. Dateline NBC at number 19. Movie Date, that's from The Takeaway and PRI, WNYC, at number 20. Radio Lab at 21. The Rachel Maddow Show at 22. Rush Limbaugh Morning Update at 23, which I had forgotten this, but Rush Limbaugh is now distributed by iHeartMedia as well. Serial Killers at number 24. That's from Parcast and Spotify. And then CNN News Briefing at 25. So out of that whole list of 25, the only arguments that we could potentially make for indies would be Joe Rogan, uh, Dak Shepard, and what did you find out about Partners in Crime Media? Okay, so uh, Partners in Crime Media was founded by Rebecca Lavoy and Kevin Flynn. Uh, Rebecca is the digital director at New Hampshire Public Radio. Uh, they, they became famous through their crime writers on, which is a pop culture commentary panel looking at true crime podcasts and crime adjacent television shows. And I still don't, these are their stories, the law and order podcast. I still think that that is done in conjunction with someone I got, I can't find it though. But at the very least, they are smaller. Yeah, they're smaller than the other list. That that yeah. that is potentially a highlight for the the more independent podcaster, the more bootstrap podcaster, as it were. But there too, they come from the public radio world. Um, that's what we're talking about. So again, this list is not representative. It is representative, we think, probably of the top downloaded shows. It is not representative of the podcast space at large, which is it all adds to this there. We don't. OK, so you don't want to say us and them, Jay, but there are unicorns and there are camels. <laughs> <laughs> That's well done. <laughs> That's well done. Yeah. Uh, are we the unicorns or are we the camels? No, we're definitely the camels. We're the water sons of sons of guns that are you know, crossing the desert and and being mistreated. Um, I you know, but I'm I'm in honestly like 
there's nothing wrong with being a camel. There's something noble. No. We're very uh, yeah. useful in many ways, but we're going to be overlooked and right. and we're going to be underappreciated. And when a when a unicorn trots into the room, they're going to get the attention. You know, it's 100 percent correct. Uh, I believe, by the way, Media Monitors is owned by iHeartRadio. Uh, so that might be another reason why this list is a little bit different than a lot of the others out there. Um, that often gets thrown around with sort of understanding where the research is coming from and who's behind the research. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, again, I guess the real question is, Joel, how does one get to be part of this list? Got to get a job uh, in one of these companies, I think, is what it comes down to, Jay. Uh, you got to sign a deal. I mean, Joe, look, it's, it is not impossible to build a show from from nothing, you know, to start from ground zero and grow. But even in those examples that we point to of shows that have been built, you know, largely independently, the people were not nobody to begin with. You know, the, the right. we don't what we don't have, what we don't have good examples of are people who rise from complete obscurity to become these megaliths. There are many examples of people who rise from from basic obscurity to build a solid career for themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's lots of that. And it's interesting. I heard uh, Marco Armit, the developer behind Overcast and one of the hosts of the Accidental Tech podcast uh, on the last episode of, of ATP, he mentioned when he was a kid, he dreamed of being a radio DJ. And then as he got older, a couple of things that he learned was, first of all, it's not a great job. <laughs> Generally, it's a tough career. Yeah. Uh, and second of all, he didn't have the voice for it. He didn't have the natural skills. And yet, decades later, here he is making a large part of his income on a monthly basis from his podcast, doing effectively what he imagined as the job of radio DJ, even though he doesn't have a great voice, even though it is a tough uh, career, even though it is, um, you know, a, a, a hard to build a presence and to establish an audience base, et cetera, et cetera. He found a niche that fit for him. You know, they talk largely about tech. They talk about development. These three guys, they've got a great rapport and, it was literally an accidental show. They didn't mean to even start that podcast. They were doing a show about cars, and they started talking in the after show about tech, and more people wanted to hear that. That that audience, they found an audience when they didn't even mean to. Um, mm. But now that is literally a large source of income for him and those other two guys. Uh, two of them now are fully independent. They've quit their day jobs. They they just do development and and podcasting. The third, John Syracuse, is just the kind of guy who likes a day job. And I don't think he's ever going <laughs> to give, give up his day. He likes a paycheck. You know, he'll retire someday. But anyway, those examples can be found all over the place. I think about, and you've, you and I have talked about it in the past, the Mueller she wrote uh, folks. You know, that was a woman that was in public service. She was in government work and put a couple of people around her. And they've now got a team that's making good money in podcasting. Um and and she's not on these lists. Miller, Miller, she wrote, is not on these top 10 lists or top 25 lists. They don't have big corporate sponsorship or oversight. And it's, it's just a little hobby. But it's enough of a hobby to pay people all of a sudden. It's become a real gig. So that is the path that we can get to. What are some ways that we can get to it? That's what we want to bring more of in the future to our um, our audience. Jay, 
let's talk about one here. Let's don't do both these articles. Which one do you want to do? Advertising a podcast or the five stages of podcast listener journey? We're not going to have enough time to do the five stages. We're going to have to save that. That's what I thought. We're going to save that, that for next week. week. We've got a, We've got a great article. Jay and I are both excited about this. Stay tuned next week. We'll cover that, the five stages of the podcast listener journey. But right now, let's get you some info from Pod News about advertising your show. How do you grow that audience base? We don't have all of the answers for you today. We've got one answer on how you don't do it, though, Jay, right? Yeah, so uh, Pod News, uh, back at the beginning of February, uh, posted a series. It was a two-part series about advertising a podcast. How do you go about growing an audience via advertising? And in part two, uh, Sean Howard is the author of this particular series. He's of Fable and Folly Productions and mentions that – they did, they did an experiment, uh, uh, ran a series of campaigns on Facebook, Twitter, and Google AdWords to come up with the cost per listener, how much it costs to actually acquire a new listener through advertising methods. And the way that they were able to track all of this was through the Radio Public pod site, which cost them $12 a month annually plus $5 a month pod site. Uh, and chartable smart links. There is a free version available, but my guess is by reading this that you would have to use the paid version of chartable to get the correct data back from the smart links that you would be using to properly track how all of this is doing. And essentially what they discovered is that (laughs) is something that I kind of already knew is that advertising is expensive and the cost acquisition is just way too high. And on top of that, you have to have, just like in podcasting, you're often told you have to have consistent content, you have to have consistent marketing. And so when you see that you have a high price of acquisition, uh, in this case, as I'm, I'm trying to skim over the article real quickly, it appears that uh, for paid Twitter video ads, it was $1.43 per new listener. That's how much it costs them. And if you take that and you go, well, I need a thousand of them, you know, you can quickly move that decimal point over three spaces to figure out how much it's going to cost now to get a thousand of those listeners. And then you have to continuously do that, not like, you know, month to month to month, but like week to week to week. Uh, As we noted earlier in a couple episodes ago, we talked about that formula about actual advertising same same thing fits here when you're doing advertising for your podcast same sort of equation works here so you gotta understand you got to do this on a very frequent basis the cost is rather expensive uh and most independent podcasters just aren't going to have that amount of revenue to be able to keep feeding these machines with this particular money And I noted to you that we didn't include the link here, but I saw just yesterday there was a person on Reddit who had mentioned that they had purchased uh, Instagram ads. And while they increased their overall social media following by a significant margin, uh, they actually didn't increase any of their podcast listening. It, It resulted in zero new podcast listeners. In this particular case, I mean, it is a very small percentage of the number of impressions that got delivered to the number of actual listeners that got acquired. Yeah, it's 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 abysmal, honestly. I mean, and it, listen, I will say this. As I said this to you off the air when we were just discussing this story, but I, I want to say it here for the listener. There is value in growing your social media base. 
However, as podcasters, when we're looking at advertising, we're always thinking about growing our listener base. So I want everybody that ever spends money on a Facebook ad or a Twitter ad or a Google search ad or anything to just remember what they're actually boosting at that point. The only way that we as podcasters have to directly advertise for new listeners is through Spotify and through Overcast. Those are the only two options that we have currently um, as far as a marketplace to just go and purchase. That is direct, directly driving activity on your podcast. Everything else is tertiary. You're growing your base from which to then advertise your podcast to those people. So I, the, the way that he breaks this math down is very useful. Um, I love the fact that he says, you know, it was going to cost me $10 to gain each individual listener. So how many ads would I have to run to make that break even? He's talking about like 400 ads to recoup the cost once you were able to build a listener base big enough to serve ads to. You know, it's it, that's that's a lot, Jay. That's a lot. It's and quite honestly, it's like you mentioned, it's sort of backwards, right? You don't want to be building a base to then advertise to, uh, even just by using the rule of 10%, which is, you know, the quick and dirty math that some people will often do. When you tell somebody something and it's a group of people, uh, the rule of thumb is 10% will actually do it. Uh, and then as you continue to break that down, so if you build your social media base, only 10% of the people that you actually get that message to will actually become part of your social media base. Now you want that people, that number of people to listen to your podcast and only 10% of them are going to actually listen to your podcast. You see how that math quickly just deteriorates. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, it's, you know, it sucks quite honestly, but as, that's the as thing. As bad as... Well, as bad as Twitter was at $10 per listener, Facebook's even worse. It got all the way up to $12.42 per listener. So so you're talking about almost $12,500 to gain 1,000 listeners. And that's assuming that you can be consistent with those results, by the way. You know, we're taking a very small sample size. He spent 62 bucks on this ad spend and then blowing it up to $12,000 and assuming that the numbers will be the same. Uh, if anything, you're liable to lose some traction as you get into the bigger numbers, not not to uh, tighten it down and remain consistent. But still, at that point, you're needing almost 500 ads to recoup your cost. 497 ad impressions on those uh, on that listener base to recoup your cost for the ad spend to gain 1,000 new listeners. Facebook just doesn't make sense for anybody if listeners is what you're trying to, grant, to gain. If you want to gain Facebook followers, good for you. If you want to gain you know, more new likes and you want to get more interaction on a post... I think those things are genuinely doable with Facebook, but trying to transfer that to listenership is just not a, a, any kind of reasonable expenditure. Google ads were better, though. Google search ads did quite a lot better. Still not good. I mean, it's the thing. If you want to advertise to acquire listeners, it's going to cost you money. Um, that's why I've I've mentioned it before. We as podcasters have done a great job of of talking to our bubble but to reach outside of our bubble it's going to cost something we're not going to be able to do that for free we're not going to have a free platform like twitter or facebook that's going to be able to get our message out to the unconverted to the converted it works fine uh for the most part but it's it's a long way so when new people start their podcast and they talk about how do i build an audience 
yeah, you got to build a social media following, but understand that building that social media following isn't building listeners to your podcast necessarily. It's, it's building people that are interested in your topics that might sample some of your content in different ways along the way. And that can be a, uh, an echo chamber or a, a, a you know, a, a tool to further your own reach. You know, if you share something really compelling and you've got a big follower, follower, uh, base on social media, some of those people are going to share it even if they never listen to the podcast. Again, that's why I keep making audiograms, Jay. It's why I keep making, you know, image posts and things like that. Uh, and I think that's more important for us to do because we need to go to all of these, uh, platforms in a native way right? Podcasting is what we do, but when we want to reach people on Twitter, podcasting isn't there. Facebook doesn't allow podcasting to exist natively anyway. So how do we reach them? We reach them through images. We reach them through video. Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan's got 7 million subscribers or something like that on YouTube. It's his podcast, but he went where they were and he didn't worry about the specifics. He figured out a way to make it, make it make money for him. You know, those host read ads, he gets paid for those even when they're on YouTube. Well, yes, but his numbers that he's delivering back to the audience, unless they are specifically negotiating YouTube numbers, for the most part are only being negotiated via their audio listening, not via the YouTube. So YouTube's almost like an added bonus, again, unless they are specifically negotiating that. Because there's, there's, no that, there's no way that your YouTube numbers are included in any platform, Libsyn, uh, yeah, no, you're absolutely right on that. And, and they won't be. They won't. And honestly, I think in the future, if anything, there's a potential for Spotify to separate out in their own way too, because the 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 thing that YouTube has, the thing that Spotify wants, the things that other people in the podcast space wants, is the complete control of the interactions. YouTube can tell you everything about how you view and when you view and where you view and what you view and when you click away and when you move to a different subject, et cetera, et cetera, because they own the app. They own all the interaction. That's what Spotify wants as well. That's what Apple has, honestly, but they just don't share it. <laughs> they don't share it in the way that we want to. Um, Joel, move, it's the Jay. brand new podcast industry statistics from Daniel J. Lewis. I'm so excited. Oh, that's right. We got some updates this week. I forgot. I forgot. So uh, this data comes courtesy, by the way, of the My Podcast Review Service by Daniel J. Lewis. Thanks to Daniel for setting this up and, and continuing to uh, run these numbers for us. Check the link in the show notes if you'd like to look at it yourself. But every week we're going to bring you an update here. He calls it podcast industry st statistics because eventually they're going to roll in some Spotify stuff. But, Jay, he rolled out some new stats uh this week what do we have that's that's new now well let's first start with the fact that we now have 897,334 total valid podcasts available to us in the apple podcast app uh so i my guess is next week we're going to be up to 900,000 or yeah, we should be i be mean honestly we're close. adding yeah this so let's see in the past uh in just in the past day there were almost 3,000 added. So if we do that again tomorrow, we should hit it next week. And, of course, some were removed. But, yeah, yeah, we should cross 900,000 by next week. Interesting. Yes, 824 were removed in the previous day, Joel. Um, so, but in, in the past 30 days, 44,338 were added. Uh, 8,534 were removed. So it's sort of that uh, we, we took uh, four steps forward, one step back, um, which is still more steps forward. Just that that's even math an Emersonian 
can tell you about. <laughs> uh, but the, the the lovely thing here is we now have a bar graph that shows us a month's worth of data as to the podcast added and podcast removed. And you can sort of see these big gaps of where the weekends occur. Um, <laughs> so we, we definitely, while we haven't been able to see any sort of discernible pattern as to when podcasts get added or removed, we do see that podcasts get removed on a daily basis and in a fairly significant clip too. I think the smallest number here, let's see, is 144 so far, 135. So the smallest number of podcasts removed on any given day is 135, uh, so that's sort of like your baseline and it can grow from there. But then the days that they're added, other than them not being added on the weekends, um, it, it's, it's, you know, who knows, but again, even the smallest number of podcasts added on any given day, 2376, yeah, 20, 2376 is the smallest number of podcasts added on any given day in the past month. Uh, so, I mean, that's just an, I mean, just that number in and of itself is a, is a large number to think 2,376 new podcasts, brands banking new got well, added Well, and he does, day. there is a little caveat here. He says, while most podcasts added are new, a small number may be returning to the catalog after years of being hidden or removed. I, I think as the podcast industry continues to grow, some of us that maybe have shelved something in the past, figure out a way to put it back up on a feed and get it back on the directory as, uh, as things continue to grow. But that number is very tiny in comparison to truly new shows. It tells you, Jay, and we say this all the time, look, even with the hubbub about the Podcast Academy, even with the issue about the us and them indies versus corporate uh, stratification of this industry, there's never been a better time to start a podcast than today, except for yesterday. Right? <laughs> right. Sure. <laughs> well said. Uh, your active versus inactive podcast. Now, active is defined as any podcast that has published at least one episode in the last 90 days. Inactive as any podcast that has not published any episode in that same time. Inactive does not necessarily mean the shows are dead, podvaded, or pod flashed. It could just mean that they've been retired, on hiatus, have an infrequent publishing schedule. But that number is 42.67%, uh, meaning 382,905 of those 897,000 are active podcasts. That's... that's uh... It's a big number, man. It, it 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 is a big number, but again, it just shows me that we're in the right space. Like we we are we are doing this thing right. We are going to continue to grow it. Uh, it's not going anywhere. the The trends are up. Like again, this is all this is all positive information to me. And uh, as defeated as we can feel sometimes because of that stratification, and and the hurdles that we have to jump to grow an audience, what a wonderful opportunity that we find ourselves with. What what other time in history, you know, Tom, we did the article last week about Tom Webster uh, explaining that podcasting is unlike these other mediums and that it was democratized first and then the money came in. Honestly, what other time in history could you just start your own thing, you know, and, and put your voice out there without literally anybody to tell you not to or to control your message you can talk about anything that you want to talk about you can build an audience of like-minded people who are interested in that topic or subject or consideration or discussion 
That's powerful, man. That's powerful. And it's available to all of us at very, very low monthly prices. Lots of lots of media hosts want to help you make a show and get it out there to everybody and and they'll make it very affordable for you, man. That is that's that's empowering to me, honestly. It really is. And the more that I think about it, the more excited I get. I'm glad that we're doing this thing. I'm glad that we're at this moment in time and um I want to just continue to push it. That's we all got to Mark Asquith says keep talking it's all we've got you know that's honestly like don't don't give up on this whatever you're talking about keep pushing it be be smart like we've talked about with your advertising know what your goals are know what you're actually going to gain from money and effort that you put into this thing but uh don't give up uh, was that your pot of gold it was okay. a little bit yeah okay. that makes me feel a little better uh, the, the the storm clouds have sort of parted. I, I feel feel a little less of the rage now. That uh, that was a that was inspiring to me, Joel. I, I'm, well, it's truly sometimes tough. I got I hey look I've got uh, I've got all of this warm fuzziness from the recent Star Wars announcement. By the way, I'm wearing my Star Wars shirt today. Oh, um, mm. we'll, we'll, you heard the High Republic yeah. was officially announced yesterday. Yep. Uh, the teaser trailer looks great. I'm excited for new stories, wide open uh, universes and and adventures and and yeah, man, I'm positive. I'm optimistic. I honestly, that's that's where we are. We are at the very beginning of this medium still, even as big as it is. Uh, there is much more time ahead of us in the podcast, um, you know, story than there is behind us. And, uh, if you're here doing it already, you're, you're one of the early goers. Don't let them tell you otherwise. Don't no. let them write over your history or your piece of it. But except that's exactly what they're doing. Right? They're rebooting, yeah, we won't let they're them. rebooting the old, the, the old, Republic I'm, there, I'm, Joel. I'm strapping on my well no, no, it's not a reboot. It's a it's an extension and an expansion. It's it's that what they are doing is giving us But all those better, great stories, like the Darth oh my god, the Darth Plagueis book. That's so good. It's so good. So, so I still I'm still That's not canon. That we're gonna get Darth Plagueis. We're gonna get Darth Plagueis rolled in somehow in, in a in a new format. You know, they rewrote the Thrawn books. They brought Timothy's on and then they had him re reimagine the Thrawn character. Well they had to because they brought him in a new Era of the timeline. Yeah, he came in at a different time. I'm, well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying we can do the same thing with we can do the same thing with Plagueis. I think we can mm. still get a Plagueis story, uh, uh, and I'm hopeful that we will. And most people tell me that really the Darth awesome. Bane, Darth Bane storyline is phenomenal. See, well, there's lots of anyway. I think that I think this is going to be awesome. If you go watch the trailer, if you're at all interested in Star Wars, go watch the trailer. There's there is uh, like pre visualization. You see some of the heroes, some of the villains. You see images of these bad guys and good guys that we're going to get to know over the next coming years. I got real excited, Jay. I got real excited. Well, they're books, comic books, movies, video games, TV series. See, to me. The whole- thing <laughs> to me it sounds like they've again taken something from the from the legacy books that was in the later part of the timeline they're moving it to an earlier part of the time this nile group it's not but it they're sounds not the exactly Hall. like that group of aliens that killed chewbacca spoiler alert yeah no you, it's the, not but it's that's not, not canon Hall. so you don't have to worry about it I think they're I think they're different than that. I think they're I think they're going to be uh be really interesting. I'm I'm excited to see a boatload of Jedi. That's what I'm excited about. They talked about like the Jedi that that patrol the frontier of the galaxy. They're kind of like Texas Ranger style Jedi almost. I'm jacked up about oh, that. I wonder why I'm, they're doing that. I'm excited that. about the Mandalorian know, they, they didn't about influence that the at all. Council being like the the Knights of the Round Table. I'm excited about that, man. I, I want young Yoda. Bring me young Yoda. Oh my God, we already have Teenage baby Yoda. Yoda. 
Well, he's not going to be a. Well, I guess he would be a team, depending on how far back they go. I, like 400 years, I think, is what we've been told, four or 500 years before the Skywalker saga. So he's like four or 500 years old, probably, at this point. Mm. So half of what we know him as, basically. Mm. Anyway, I'm jacked up about that. I'm a positive guy this week. I'm in a good mood. I'm glad you excited are. Excited for good books. Yeah. See, I'm not, uh, I, d- I don't hold the same optimism as you do. <laughs> They're coming for us. They're going to take all of our past and our memories. They're going to destroy Listen, it. Uh, as long as, see, now I don't want to go and read the Darth Bane series. People have told me I really need to. First of all, the one reason why I haven't done it is because I'm like, did they just take Darth Vader and Bane from the Batman comic books and merge him into one? <laughs> like, that's that's part of my biggest problem with Darth Bane. But, uh, now my second biggest problem is it's not even going to matter. He's going to get written differently in this high republic. Uh, uh, so just, the good news is that Darth Bane still exists, at least, like in the current canon. That 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 figurehead exists, and his rule of two still exists. It's just the storyline might be a little different than you heard it in those old books. Right. I'm imagining we'll see a Darth Bane book eventually, too, or maybe even like a video game series. You know, you could do a couple of video games with him and his apprentices or something like that where they're the main characters. I think oh, that'd yeah. be cool. They already anyway, had a whole video game series that's not canon. All right, yeah. Let's wrap this up. Jay, if... People are uh, have been listening to us, and they are sports podcasters in particular, college sports podcasters, and they're interested in seeing what you've got going on with the Locked On Sports Network. How does that work? That's clearly not our audience, Joel. But if you happen to have stumbled across this podcast because you are one of those types of people, I would love to talk to you because we are expanding our college coverage on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am Pod Vader at LockedOnPodcast.com, or you can reach me on Twitter at TheRealPodVader. My DMs are open. Very easy to talk to. You can find me at JoelSharpton.com or at ProPodcastingServices.com if you're interested in some help on your show. You're looking for a consultant or producer or editor. I got you covered. Um, also, you can find me on Twitter at the Rogues Life, or if you just want the podcasting stuff, Pro uh, underscore, what is it? podcasting underscore pro there it is i had to, I was like what is what is my other twitter handle podcasting underscore pro that's the one that you could use uh the rogues life is going to have a lot of politics stuff and nba stuff depending upon the time of the year um until next time jay we have been your hosts i'm joel i'm jay still looking for my podcasting pot of gold and we are always listening got my two cents Always Listening is a proud member of the Two Guys and a Rogue Network. You can find all of our past episodes, including more than 100 podcast reviews, at alwayslisteningpod.com. In Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. For help on your podcast, visit propodcastingservices.com. Our theme song is Enough from Bethany Rayburn.
Two guys and a rogue. I'm one guy. I'm the other. And this is The Network.